as an example of suffering and patience, beloved. Prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The last two weeks, you've heard about the stories of Advent and Scripture. You've heard about the waiting, the not knowing, the expectation of a Savior, the wandering in the wilderness, and today you heard about suffering. In my experience, most preachers like to gloss over this reality of suffering as a part of Advent, but I think it's a critical discipline to wade into this season Now, Dean Katie spoke of suffering implicitly last week in her vulnerable, brave words about wandering in the wilderness. Now, unlike Dean Katie, I love John the Baptist. I feel like we are kindred spirits. I feel like we like to live these unruly, disconnected lives from the world. We retreat into the wilderness to experience God's truth and solace through patience and sometimes suffering. We eat strange foods like locusts and honey and elk jerky and venison backstrap, and our sole purpose in life is to point others to Christ. John's life characterizes suffering as a pathway towards salvation, an invitation to follow Christ, and as a gift to encounter the life of God in the world, and the entire cosmos. In other words, John shows us that suffering is a part of what it means to be a Christian. In today's scripture, John is in prison. He's cut off from his life and his people, and his world contained amongst bars and chains. He is suffering. He's even doubting and wondering who Jesus really is. Are you the one who is to come? Are you the one to whom we wait? John asked Jesus. Even John, the great prophet and saint, had moments of doubt and great suffering. We all experience suffering in this world. Suffering is a part of life. Whether it be a discipline you take on or an unjust experience outside of your control. Either way, suffering is always an opportunity to encounter God and to be transformed by his grace. Paul explains it this way in his letter to the Romans. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Let me stop here for a moment. I don't want to dismiss real pain and suffering. I know you and I experience and have experienced a lot in this world. Our loved ones die too early. Disease does strain scary things to our bodies. Illogical violence and discrimination destroys communities. Mental illness and addiction kills families. 
And I know that we all know great suffering. Life can really be too hard for us to handle. And as a queer kid growing up in Oklahoma, I know all too well that life can be a type of suffering that isn't fair at all. But suffering isn't the final words, friends. Suffering is just a pathway to meet God, our Savior. And as the Buddhists sometimes say, suffering can be our greatest teacher. So what did you go into the wilderness to see? Someone dressed in soft robes, one who lives in a royal palace? No, a prophet who prepared the way before you. You see, John's life of ascetical practices and suffering is getting us ready for Jesus' suffering and the way of the cross. There is no resurrection without death. There is no transformation without pain and suffering. But that's the Easter story. So let's not run to Easter just yet. Let's sit in this story of Advent, the story of waiting, hoping, praying, and rejoicing in the setting of our suffering. This time with John in prison. I had another deeply Advent experience this past week while I was on a hunt of a lifetime in western New Mexico. My good friend, Father Justin Boyd from Christ Church Tulsa, invited me to assist him on this elk hunt in the Apache National Forest. We had zero cell phone reception, we had to chop wood for our warmth, and we hiked 12 miles each day through the canyons and thick ponderosa trees to find the great wapiti, which is the Shawnee word for elk, meaning white rumps. I don't know if y'all have ever seen elk, but they, you can spot them from a mile away because they have these white little patches on their behinds. So our tag was good for only five days, so we woke up five days in a row at 4.30, ate breakfast, gathered our gear on our backs, met our guide in the pitch black dark at the base of the canyons to start our slow ascent while breathing the harsh 25 degree temperatures. Our lungs were on fire as we trudged upward and watched and waited and walked and walked while the sun slowly illuminated the landscape. We chased and chased and chased those wapiti for miles and miles up and over the canyons each day. Our bones ached, our stomachs growled as we anticipated harvesting the great animal that promises to yield 300 pounds of meat. I came down with a cold, of course, on day two, and I was exhausted while we hiked, and I took a steady dose of ibuprofen to ease my pain. Now, I brought some nourishment with me each day in my pack. I had some water, I had some snacks, of course ibuprofen, and even some Kleenex to wipe my nose. But our guide, Lawrence, he carried no provisions for his bodily nourishment or pain. He drank no water, he ate no food the entire day, sun up to sundown. This guy, he's a local. He's a lifelong hunter with these mountain goat slash Sherpa-like instincts and stamina. I was in awe of him. 
and his monk-like choice to carry no provisions on this type of very physical outing. But looking back on this experience after reading today's scripture about John the Baptist, of course, this was the man to lead our path through the wilderness to experience God's great glory in finding the mighty, majestic elk. These things would only be a distraction to Lawrence, who had his eyes on the canyon like a hawk. He could spot elk from a mile away, literally, while I was sitting on the ground eating an apple. This dude was zoned in. His ability to glass was just a sight to behold. The great German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this about pain and suffering while he was in prison. Pain is a holy angel who shows us treasures that would otherwise remain forever hidden. Through him we have become greater than through all the joys of the world. It must be so, and I tell myself this in my present situation over and over again. The pain of suffering and longing which can often be felt even physically, must be there, and we cannot and need not talk it away, but it needs to be overcome every time. And thus there is an even holier angel than the one of pain, that is, the one of joy in God. Bonhoeffer in Advent, pain and suffering open up hidden treasures deep knowings in our lives that no amount of joy could ever give us. And I think this is what Lawrence knew too about chasing the great Wapiti. Jesus said, truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. See, even St. John the Baptist, the prophet, the preparer of the way of Christ, became a disciple, a humble disciple, a least, the least of these. So we too are called to be like John, to join in the suffering of Christ for the world. Suffering is a deep knowing. Suffering is holy. Suffering is sacred. Suffering is the way to everlasting life. Beloved, sit in your suffering this Advent. Ask it what it can teach you about God. And as we anticipate our Savior's coming to eventually suffer on our behalf, remember also that our Savior's life was made possible through the suffering of the birth pains of a woman then we might find, after all, suffering is the midwife of salvation. May it be so.